The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Remain standing, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 1. We continue in a series entitled, In the Beginning, Foundational Truths from the Book of Genesis, the first 11 chapters to be exact. And uh, last week we started the series, and um, it's exciting to me, the Word of God. And we talked about how God is the Creator and what that means for us, living in the light of God as Creator. Let's read the text here, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, and then we'll go to Genesis chapter 2, 7 through 17. Are you ready? Genesis 1 and 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Go to chapter 2. Find verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out, of the, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight, good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From there it parted and became four river heads. Verse first name is Pishon. It's the one which skirts the whole land of Halava, where there is Halava, which, pardon me, where there is gold. Verse 12, and the gold of that land is good. The onyx and stones are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. Verse 14, the name of the third river is, I have no idea. Hedekel, there we'll go with that. Praise God, okay. It is the one in which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth is the Euphrates. And the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've done already in the service now and the moments that remain. I pray that you'd give us living understanding. You'd touch and transform us even by the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, come. Touch and illuminate our hearts with truth. Your word is truth. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light upon our path. And we thank you, God, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We are doing a series out of the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis for this reason. 
that foundational truth is found in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. And if you don't have a good foundation, then when the wind and the waves come against the house, as Jesus said, if it's built on the sand, it shall not stand, it won't stand. There is a great battle over truth. And in this age of information, you have to have the truth that the truth will set you free. But if you don't know the truth and you don't have a right foundation for your life to build your life on truth, you might settle for anything. And so it's very, very imperative as believers to walk in victory in this day where there's a crooked and a depraved generation that we understand truth. And the first 11 chapters give you a foundation for that. In in fact, I would say this. If you do not understand the truth that comes in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you will be very, um, uh, you'll be short in understanding the rest of your biblical knowledge. It's imperative to have a right foundation, as any builder can tell you. Now, let's move into this message. Who am I? Uh, A number of years ago, I was ministering, many years ago, ministering at a teen challenge center and uh, in Hawaii and they have these things called a three-prong spear how many of you know what that is it's a Hawaiian spear and it has like a a piece of surgical tubing and a a long shaft and at the end of the shaft these three prongs hence the name of three-prong spear and so you would take this surgical tubing and you'd hold it in your hands and you'd stretch it out so that when you let it go it would release it you shoot fish with it usually but in this case they had a rat problem And they were not your normal rats. I think they were of the Norwegian variety. How many of you have ever seen a Norwegian rat? They're huge. They are the freaky, I mean, you know, like regular rats. I'm not not scared of shrews. Those are mean creatures, though. The taming of a shrew. I know I know why he picked that name. The shrews are mean. They're not like a mouse. A mouse is kind of like docile. Shrew will chew its own leg off to get away. We have mostly shrews here. And so there's shrews and mice, and then there's rats, but there's different kinds of rats. These rats are big. I mean big, you know, like 11, 12 inches, not including the tail. So with the tail, we're talking freakish sides rat. And so they had this rat problem specifically in, uh, in the bathrooms in the shower area where the, the, uh, the students there would go and and shower and shave and stuff like that. And so we got some of these three-pronged spears. And the idea was the next time that one of these rats showed up, and so that it was specifically in the girl's side, they would be in the shower and a rat would come across and stand on, the, on one of the uh, roof, you know, beams going across and look at them. And it was like, you would hear these shrieks. Ah! I mean, it was terrifying. So we made a plan. And the plan was the next time you see a rat, you scream for help. We had these three-pronged spears outside, outside the door of, of the bathrooms. Scream for help, cover up, and get out, all right? Because the guys are going to come, and, the, and the, the, the teachers are going to come, and we're going to shoot that thing. We're going we're gonna to skewer it. How many of you ever seen those metal roofs? They're, the, the, metal, they're the tin roofs. That's what they were covered with. You know, it's kind of, um, uh, they don't have to have insulation, single-wall construction. They don't have winter there. So I'm minding my own business, taking care of my responsibilities, and I hear, ah! I mean, you could hear it across acres of land. So I'm in a dead sprint along with others, and uh, I get there, the girls are running out, 
and we're running in. And I grab this Hawaiian sling, this spear, this three-prong, and I run in to just, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to drill that thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I got zero, zero fear going on. I'm ready. I come in. I'm like, where is it? And it just looks at me. He's like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah, you know, it was terrifying. And I, I shot that spear through the roof, man. I blew so many holes in that, in that tin roof. I'd love to tell you that I got it right in the head and killed the rat. That thing got away, and it was the most horrifying experience, nearly the most horrifying experience. So why are you telling me that? First of all, the rat, I think, was more scared of me than I was of it. But can you imagine if it rose on its legs and came, jumped down, and, and like attacked me and had dominion over me? I lived in Greece for a period of time. They had a wolf problem that was eating calves. And so they had baseball bats at every door. I was about 18 or 19 years old. And so there's, there's a bunch of screaming in the uh, late evening. And I hear gunshots and everything. I was doing my laundry. I grab one of these baseball bats at 19. I'd have charged hell with a water pistol, right? 19, I grab a baseball bat. I'm going to tie it into the message. Just hang on. Grab a baseball bat, come out, and I'm going to beat the fool out of the wolf. And as I come out, I see it run, it runs by me. I run after it. I used to be fast. I run after it, and I get to this dead end where there's this large wall, and there's the wolf. And I bring that bat back, and I'm just, I come up on it. It turns at me. I melted. I'm just like, oh, I'm ill-equipped, (laughs) ill-equipped. It snarled at me and jumped over the wall. It's like, thank God, thank God. (laughs) You know, some of you think you're all bad until you're actually facing something. But the truth is you really are very significant and special and you are not like anything else in all of creation. I'm going to show it to you from this text. What is man? Write in your notes now. We do have notes for you. What is man? The psalmist says, what is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that you would care for him? You set him a little bit below the angels, Psalm 8, but you've crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. Wow. What is man? See, you are more than just your name. My name's Daniel Andrew Bracken. Today, I weigh 242 pounds, praise God, down from 260-something. Thank you, Jesus. But you're more than your name. You're more than the way that you look or the clothes that you wear. You are very, very significant. You are very special in all of creation like nothing else. Who am I? Everybody say, who am I? The answer to that question determines your worth. Determines your, your destiny, even your purpose. Some of the answers given today in our culture are a bunch of nonsense. Some of the answers given today is that man is nothing but a complex of uh, biological responses. That you have come from the primordial slime. And that you are basically nothing. Look, if you are if a series of complex biological reactions, then basically you're not worth anything. But that's not what the Bible says. Some have suggested that you're the ultimate evolution of millions of years. And what they're really saying is that you're a chance accident and a chance universe. That it's just by chance that you've come together. That is uh, not what the scriptures say. Some have suggested that. And uh, that you're basically a frog that got kissed and then you became a human being. 
um, Eastern mysticism says that all of life is, is, is an illusion. It's really not true. None of it's true. But that's not what the Bible says either. Those are some of the answers that we hear today. And if that's true, then we really have no meaning in this world. Let me ask you this question as we, as we move forward in understanding this text. How is it that you have the ability to love? And I'm not talking about lust. I'm talking about love. The ability to lay down your life for another because you so care for them. And you say, well, that doesn't happen. That Well, just mess with a mother's child. You'll watch that in action. Fearless. She-bearer. How is it that you have the ability to think in terms of beauty? Now, some of you went and stood before a mirror. Listen, this will destroy the whole evolutionary theory because I'm going to tell you something. i got two dogs that are rather a pain in the neck at times. i got one that eats a lot of chicken crap. You know what? Chicken droppings? I have chickens. Okay, I have this lab. Love the dog. It just wants to eat droppings of any kind of animal. And I'm going to tell you that my dog, as much as I love my dog, it does not ask me if it can get in front of the mirror and comb its hair. You know why? Because my dog doesn't think in terms of beauty. You do, though. You look sharp today, as a matter of fact. Y'all look beautiful today. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you stood in front of a mirror. But the truth is, just about every one of us did. I did. I was just, just before I came down, I looked, and I thought, well, I don't have a dimple in my tie. And I learned when I was a small boy, you always put a dimple in your tie. It's probably a cultural thing. The point is, dogs don't think like that. Cats definitely don't think like that. Cattle doesn't think like that. You're not cattle. You're not like a dog. You're not like a cat. How is it that you can think in terms of justice? Animals don't think in terms of justice. How is it that you can think in terms of morality? That which is right and that which is wrong. Hey, that's not right. You know why you think like that? Because you're made in God's image. And there's no other explanation for it. You're not a chance accident and a chance universe. You were created in his image and in his likeness. Wow. Amazing. Not like animals. All right, let's look at this text and answer, answer the question, who am I? Come on, someone say, I'm special. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're special. All right, man's special in God's sight. The word bara is the Hebrew word. It's used three times in one verse, in verse 27. So God created, there it is, bara, in his own image. In the image of God, he created, there it is again, bara. Male and female, he created three times. Now, that's an emphasis on created. It's to create is to create basically out of, out of nothing. It's as if God pauses in creation here and he says, no, 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 this is, this is something different than a bird. This is something different than the rocks and the trees and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. This is man, ish, isha in Hebrew, man and woman. Instead, let there be. You remember all, at all of creation, you look. Now, there's, a, there's, a, there's really another message in the, in the uh, uh, chronological order of Genesis. There's really another message that I should be preaching prior to this, and it's about time. The only thing is I couldn't get it quite done yet. Time. God's the author of time. You're in time. He's not in time. And what does that mean for us? So we'll get to that. We'll go back. 
if that's okay. Just felt like the Lord had me bring this today. So instead of God said, let there be light. Remember, let there be, let there be, let there be. He's creating, he's speaking. That's not what happens when you look at verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image. Let us is, is talking about, uh, some said, well, that's, that's talking about the triune, the three-in-one God. Yes, it could be, absolutely. But it's also talking about a council. There's a council in heaven, and that's fascinating to study. Let us make man in our image. It's not let there be, it's let us make. It's very different. You were made, created by God, but not spoken into existence. He made you. While I was yet in my mother's womb, he knit me together. You know how many of you, God's into knitting. All of creation spoken, but not man. God took time to form man out of the dust and breathe into him the breath of life. This is fascinating. Now, in my studies, uh, and I've even taught to you, I've taught you about the breath, uh, the fesh. Uh, an animal has the, the breath in it, has life in it, but the Hebrew word is nefesh. In my studies uh, over this past week, that is not what's actually what you have. Nefesh is a, like a soul of an animal, the, the life in an animal. The, your dog has a soul, but it's not like yours. A, a human being has neshama. It's very different. And there's nothing in all of creation that the Hebrew word there is neshama. So when God made dogs and animals, the breath, the life is in them, even a soul in a dog, but not like a soul like yours. And so when you study this text, you see that, well, there's something different, very different about man. Very different about men, about women. Men and women are different. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. The neshama. Neshama, soul, it's very different. It's a higher, it's much, much higher than an animal. You can teach a dog. You can train a dog. But a dog's not like you. Some of you might have been acting like one. The truth is, what you believe about yourself, what you believe, you, you are not what you eat that will affect your physical body. You are what you believe. And if you believe that you came around to the primordial slime and that you're really not of that much significance and that you're a chance accident in a chance universe, then you'll act like a chance accident in a chance universe. Has anybody ever seen royalty? Has anybody ever seen somebody who's royal? I remember watching the, you know, on TV years ago, watching uh, one of the royal weddings in Great Britain. And to see those two little boys, the princes, they walked like princes. They were dressed like princes. See, many people don't know who they are. So they don't act like it. They don't walk like it. They don't talk like it. And they'll give themselves to anything because their, their value has been demeaned by a culture that says you come from an ape or you come from the slime. Oh, no, 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 no. You were made. You were made by God. You're special. You're significant. Come on, look. Say, I'm special. Say it again. Wow. There's nothing in all of creation like you. Man is made in God's image and likeness, verse 26 and 27. That's the only answer for why you think in terms of right and wrong. It's the only answer for why you think in terms of justice, why you think in terms of beauty. Why do you put on makeup? Why do you put on makeup? Because I like it. I like the way it makes me look, the lady would say. 
whoever even gave you that idea. And thinking, listen, dogs don't look at sunsets and go, whoa, look at that. Dogs don't worry about whether they got groomed or not. They have instincts. It's interesting they have instincts. Animals know when to hibernate. There's, there's, there's a uh, nefesh. There's a soul of an animal, and God's placed in them instincts to be able to hibernate, know when to do different things, and so on and so forth. But that's, they don't think in terms of beauty. They don't think in terms of right and wrong. Only you do. And this is the only explanation for why you think that way, because you're not from an ape. You come from God. It's critical thinking, which we really don't teach this generation to think critically, but you need to learn to think critically, otherwise you'll swallow these lies. You know. You're unique from all other life in the earth. We can murder babies, but if you get a certain distance from a whale, you get arrested. You can commit abortion because it's not to see if you come from apes, you come from, from a chance accident, a chance universe, then some biological reaction happening inside your body is not that big a deal. But if you come from God, actually, and God spoke and ma- God made you, pardon me, and breathed breath into you, then actually babies are of, of beyond any kind of value that you could place. A whale is an animal, yes. We need to be good stewards. I'll talk about that in a moment. But we've got such a distorted view of reality because our value has been distorted because the, the, the culture of the day has watered down and distorted the word of God and people have no idea, really, that you're made in God's image and likeness. You are special. And uh, to your notes now, uh, made to be able to relate to God. God's a person, but not a person like you think. He's, a, he's the uncreated one. Wow, Amazing. He speaks to us. How wonderful. We're God's representatives to enforce his dominion on the earth. We represent, represent. So we're here to represent, re, again, present, present God to the earth. See, when Adam walked in the cool of the day, walked in the garden, what, they, what creation was like, here comes God. Oh, no, it's, it's Adam, though. Same thing. Kind of representative come on if you have a representative come and represent a a nation or dignitary they're speaking for that government or speaking for uh, the king if you will that is how you're supposed to see yourself you are royalty you are chosen special significant made in god's image you are sacred everybody say we're sacred That's why Genesis 9, verse 6 says, Whoever sheds man's blood by his blood shall be shed. For the image of God, he he made man. Wow. We're immortal. We're sacred. And this, this this whole understanding that we're sacred really changes everything. Listen, the person sitting next to you is sacred. And we have a choice. Everybody say, we have a choice. God put a tree there. We... It's interesting that we have a choice. You know, love is not in a vacuum. God could have wound us up like little clocks and just let us go. Or he could have made us, he could have given us all frontal lobotomies. So we just like, uh-huh, yes. But that's not love. Love chooses. Love, love makes a choice. And so mankind, it, it's, it, theologians call it the glory of man that that God trusted him and gave him a choice. He said, this is, this is significant. This is special. Don't touch this tree. Actually, he said, don't eat from the tree. 
didn't say anything about touching it. The devil, which we'll get to, warps the word of God and says, didn't he, he, did not, he didn't say don't touch it. God didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. It's amazing how the, the devil will take scripture and just twist things like, I've given you every green herb. So then people start smoking it. Let's look to Roman numeral, Roman numeral, the issue of intoxication. I just thought I'd give it a punch. Praise God. Smoke poison sumac. Don't. I'm, don't do that. Don't do You'll get really high and then you'll die. All right? That's not God's will for you. Foundational truth from the text. We must treat our fellow man with dignity and respect. We must treat our fellow man with what? With dignity and respect. Why? Because they're made in God's image. Every single person, no matter how ugly they might be, no matter how they might throw slurs at you, and how might they try to demean you, they're still made in God's image. And we're supposed to treat each other with dignity and respect. Be careful how you treat people because God sees that person. God sees that person who you've mistreated as the object of his love. I was with Dr. Morocco, and we're, <clears throat> I think we were in Italy. We're on the streets of Rome, and there is this man from Senegal who's trying to sell him trinkets. And Dr. Morocco stopped to talk to him. I, yeah, I, I, was, I was raised in New York. And you just avoid eye contact, don't talk to people. You know, so somebody's like trying to sell you something. You, you basically, in New York, how I was trained, you just walk right by him. They're non-existent because once you engage and start looking, then you're in relationship and things can get really creepy. So doctor just stops to talk to the guy and I'm like, oh, God. you know, <laughs> doctor starts talking to him thinking, okay, he's going to witness to him or something. And he starts witnessing to him, but the guy's trying to sell him these trinkets and he tries to sell him these, these, um, these, these little Hindu luck pieces, right? And so I'm thinking, oh, this is interesting. What's, what's pastor going to do with this? And so pastor says, no, I can't take it. He says, I want you to have it. They're a gift. He says, you don't understand. I can't take those. He says, you're, you're offending me. It's a gift. I'm giving it to you. He says, my religion forbids me taking that from you. And then he went on and he talked with them and he ended up just giving the guy money. He was trying to sell him stuff and, and he blessed him and he left. And I'll never forget what Dr. Morocco said because I just want to say, hey, bro, you know what? Why don't you step off? He says, my pastor, why don't you just shoo? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll never forget what Dr. Morocco said to me. I'm walking away, and I was going to school him on street, you know, on street, being streetwise. It's like, Pastor, listen, you shouldn't talk to me. I was from New York. Talk, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm talking to you. Don't talk to people. They people, they want stuff. You know, I'm, I'm about to tell him what's what. And he puts his arm around me because he could sense attention from me because I'm like, you, what are you going to do, Jack? What you got? So I'm walking away, and he puts his arm around me. Dr. Morocco beats me to the punch as I'm about to school him on being streetwise. He put, puts his arm around me and says, Daniel. I said, yeah. He says, you need to honor and respect everybody. I thought, oh. Oh, yeah. That doesn't mean you become a, a, a mat for them to walk on. But it does mean because we're made in God's image, we are special. And it means that you give everybody dignity and respect. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but you give them dignity and respect. I've been the object of 
dishonor and, and uh, the brunt of jokes and all kinds of stuff is because people don't understand. They, come on, how many of you, welcome to the human race. Right? If you haven't been offended yet, you soon will be. It's a test. But, but as far as, as we as believers understand that who you are sitting next to or who the person who irritates you, oh, they irritate me. They give me a rash. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody here. Amen. Praise God. You treat them with dignity and honor. Why? Because even the, their, their angels see the face of God every day. And, and they're made in God's image. They're significant. They're special. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. There's no place for racial or social prejudice. There's, if that's true, then there's no place for prejudice. Come on, give me an amen. Social status doesn't lessen who we are. You might have come from a long line of prostitutes, or maybe you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. It doesn't mean that you're any better or any less than anybody else. You're made in God's image. Someone say it. I am made in God's image. It doesn't matter whether you have money or, or, the, or, you're, or you're poor. It, it, it doesn't matter. God doesn't look at you and say, well, he doesn't have any money, so then I'm just not going to help him as much. He doesn't, he doesn't look at a, at a uh, a rich person and say the same thing. But somehow, in our culture, if you have more money and a bigger car or whatever bigger house, then you're just like, oh, you're, you know, you're, dude, you're made in the image of God just like the next guy. It doesn't mean you're any better or any less. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. That's a great message right there. There's no, there's no prejudice, too. It's question, it answers the question of capital punishment, Genesis 9, 6. Are you telling me that you believe in capital punishment? Absolutely believe in it because it teaches it in the Bible. You say, well, the problem is, the problem is, is that we have a system that, that can, can be filled with errors where somebody can end up going to, to, to die and maybe they weren't guilty. Now, that's a big problem. But the Bible does talk about it, and that's Genesis 9, 6. Crazy. People can rape somebody and do less time than somebody who stole. That's not right. Somebody can steal somebody's life, murder somebody, and do less time than a robbery. It's also the basis for opposing abortion. Some, so one of the arguments is that, well, a baby doesn't have any viability, which means this, that if the baby was outside the womb, that it couldn't live. That's irrelevant. Viability based on whether it can live or not. No, you, you are, you're viable simply because you're made in God's image. An elderly euthanasia is another issue. So, they're, so that they're not viable? What are you talking about? They have more wisdom than, than, than you. If they're older than you, usually. They're tremendous. You, you should go see what God's doing at Primrose and Pioneer, Pioneer uh, Home and these different places. Praise God for the elderly. Hey, you're going to be old one day. Some of you are old. You're all gonna, if you live, you're going to get old. All right. Crazy that people just can off somebody. We've got to be good stewards, have God's view of nature. Matthew 10, 29, he knows when a sparrow falls in, in the forest. Matthew 6, 28, he clothes the lilies of the field. Jonah 4, 11, this is interesting. God is concerned about the cattle. 
In Jonah 4.11, God is concerned about the cattle. He wants to spare the cattle as well as the human beings. Wow. Proverbs talks about a man who's kind to animals is, is a good man. We're also called to work. Everybody say work. Come on, say get a job. Yeah, we're, we're called to work. He put man in the garden to work it. Everybody say work it. Work it. That's 2.15, Genesis 2.15. Many people don't like working. The New Testament says if somebody doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. That means there's something wrong with our welfare system. Now, granted, granted, there are people that can't work, and there are people with disability. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a well-abled person that's nothing but a hobo and wants to suck off the rest of everybody else working. That's not right. It's amazing if you're not going to get a handout and you're hungry, you find food. It's amazing. You get a job. Get working. Praise God. We're called to be fruitful and multiply. The enemy has planted in the people's minds the idea of overpopulation. How many of you heard, seen some of the stats? Pastor Alex, would you come? The, the stats on overpopulation. And they say, well, if we keep growing at the rate that we are, we won't have enough food to sustain the, the population growth. Here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that people are thinking in terms of a closed system. Then they come up with all kinds of new creative ideas that produce you know, the incredible amounts of yields from crops that they didn't have 20 years ago, and on and on and on. I mean, I'm just telling you, you need to be fruitful and multiply. What are you saying? I'm saying have kids, man. Amen. Have kids. Have lots of them. If you're a righteous family, have lots of children. Amen. Why? Because somebody ought to have kids who's righteous. We can multiply. Come on, get busy. Praise God. <laughs> you want somebody to say hallelujah? Be fruitful to the moment. Let the Lord lead you. Understand that pastor commanded us to have kids. Be led by them. It's, it's a principle. You be in agreement. Amen. All the wives said, and all the husbands said, amen. You know, I think that we might have killed the person who had the cure for cancer through abortion. Let me just read some stats really quick. There are approximately 126,000 abortions conducted every single day. That's 5,250 per hour. That's 87 per minute. That's two babies are being killed every second. There goes two. There goes two more. There goes two more. true image of God is seen in Jesus Christ. Colossians, put this on the screen please. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 through 20. Satan wants to destroy the image of God in man. So if he can get you to believe that you come from apes or primordial slime or complex reactions, then you're in trouble. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, did not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints 
in the light. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us to the kingdom of the Son of His love. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He's the image. Who? Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. Verse 16. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Go all the way to 20. Verse 18. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through lead the scripture up peace through the blood on his cross you see you are created by god he made you you're significant you're special and so is every other breathing human being wow with neshama a soul that actually God plays. Babies have a neshama. The cattle don't. Dogs don't. They have a nefesh. That's different. You, I, we, created mankind has a neshama. Very, the, the very breath of God himself is on the inside of you. It's not inside cats as much as you may love them or dogs or cattle. And we need to take care of them, be good stewards. But the neshama is inside babies. Is inside you. It's inside me. We need to treat each other with dignity. And you need to understand that you are the most significant, special thing in all of creation. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Come on, say I'm significant. Come on, say I'm sacred. Come on, say I'm special. That's right, you are. With every head bowed, Every eye closed. Oh, the last, uh, the last point. God wants to make us into his image. I think you got that. Every eye closed. People praying all across this place. If you're not right with God, I implore you. I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to him. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment, just pray with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Let me bless you. Would you lift your hands? The last thing Jesus did on the earth was reach his hands towards his disciples and he blessed them. We believe in blessing. We believe in cursing. Come on, God's going to bless you and touch you right now. Holy Spirit, touch, fill, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them, O God. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You be sure to visit those booths out there. Get involved in a small group or ministry. We love you. We'll see you tonight.
Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.